This is Council for Life, a podcast engaging conversations about mental health and the Christian life with licensed biblical counselors Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. Welcome back to Council for Life. My name is Beth. And I'm Eliza. Thank you for joining us today. And we, uh, again, are just so grateful for our listeners. And it's been fun to see the growth that's happened. And definitely with all the guests that we've had on our podcast that have been so wonderful, I think it's definitely boosting the number of people that are being able to hear. And hopefully this is encouraging to you. And today we uh, do not have a special guest. Well, we do have a special guest, but it's Eliza. So we are <laughs> we are each other's special guests today. And I do want to just introduce a new book that Eliza has just had published called Raising Emotionally Healthy Kids. It's published by a company called Ten of Those, and it just came out just in the last couple of months, and it's a really helpful tool for parents. And so I wanted us to just be able to talk about it a little bit on the podcast cast today and and maybe extend a little bit of things about what is it like to be a parent and what are some things that we face as parents Eliza and I are both parents mm-hmm. and we uh, we're just aware that this is a, a huge topic we could probably spend hours talking about this but we won't today mm-hmm. it'll be a normal length podcast for you guys but yeah Eliza I would love to just begin by asking you what prompted the writing of a book about uh, raising emotionally healthy kids. What prompted that for you, and what's that process been like as you've worked on the book? Well, I mean, what prompted it is I'm I'm a perfect parent, Beth, and so I figured I should. Uh, yes, please, <laughs> please dispel all of your wisdom to the rest of us. We definitely need it. Oh my goodness, no! And I actually want to just say that up front, like the fact that I've written some books on parenting do not does not equate I am the expert on parenting. I am sharing just out of my own experience, my own failures at times, my own like trial and error and just the wisdom that I've even gained from other parents along the way. And so uh, just so that we clear the air, this is not <laughs> a, a parenting expert here, but I do hope that I can offer some things to people as, you know, both Beth and I, like she mentioned, we've we've raised children. Mine are all empty nesters. They're all grown and in their own uh, life. And wait, living. wait, wait, you're, you're an empty nester. They are not empty nesters. Oh, you're the, did empty I say that wrong? Yes. you said I, they're empty. I'm like, wow, you, I, okay. Got they it. are not empty nesters. <laughs> that would make me really old. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> we are empty nesters. Our kids have flown the coop and, um, they're doing great. And so, uh, this is really just an, an outflow of what we have learned along the way. And, and honestly, this particular book, I will say this, that this particular book, raising emotionally healthy kids, I actually started writing this in 2019, the end of 2019. I had heard something come out um, from Pew Research in 2019, and it was a it was research that they collected that basically said um, it was around 59%. So just for the sake of like we like round numbers, I'm just going to say approximately 60% was uh, an increase of 60% in children's mental health uh, issues. Mm. And so there was this this concern that Pew Research was basically putting out there was that in a 10-year period, mental health diagnosis, mental health struggles had gone up 60%, nearly 60% in 10 years. Well, think about that for a moment. If we saw an increase of 60% of any other disease or or, disorder or struggle in children, like let's just let's just say a diagnosis of cancer. If we saw an increase of childhood ca- cancer or childhood heart disease or something like that, and it increased sixty percent in ten years, we would be like, 
what is going on? Like what has happened in the last 10 years? What are they exposed to? What are they, you know, what's happening? And so, but that's been the case. And that was in 2019. And so I thought, I think we need to have some kind of a resource for parents to know, like, how do we even attend to their emotional health? And then, as we all know, 2020 happened. And so uh, my ministry kind of had to shift and there was a lot of changes with everything going virtual and how that all looked. And so I just kind of put that on the on the back burner for a little bit. But actually 2020 and 2021 made it more evident that this was a book that was so needed. And so um, with children facing so much disruption in their routines and schools closing, and then the constant fear of getting sick or their loved ones getting sick, or even having some of these children experience significant loss through the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, all the more reason where I just felt like now's the time. So that kind of got me, kicked me into full gear writing this book. And uh, yeah, that's That's kind of great. And, and how is the book organized? Because it's a, it's very accessible. It's not a super long book. So it's organized in a way that I think is great for busy parents, right? Who, who just need some helpful tips, some things that they can draw from in, in, in the book itself. So what are kind of the kind of, how do you have the chapters organized and things like that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So yes, it is very accessible. It's readable. I know for me, when I was raising my children, I would buy lots of parenting books and they were, you know, very highly recommended, but I would get them and I would usually read about the first two chapters and then life would happen and so forth. And so, uh, 10 of those publishing, they actually, this is one of a series of books on for parents and their whole goal is keep them as short and readable as possible with still a ton of very weighty and valuable content. So that's what it is. And the way they like to organize them is in tips. And so there's always tips in these books. And so the chapters are actually tips. So there's six tips and I'll just maybe read through them really quick because we're not going to hit each one of them, but just give the listeners a little bit about a little knowledge of what uh, the tips are. So one is a tip on how to nurture your children wholly, their whole life, their spiritual life, their emotional life, their relational life, and so forth. Tip number two is to understand their capacity, which is kind of huge because we want to make sure we are not expecting more of them than we should, and we're not expecting less of them than they're able to give. Um, And then tip three is regard their feelings. And this is just how do we actually engage our children in talking about their feelings. And and I give actual questions that you can ask at different ages and stages. And then tip four is to cultivate lasting hope. And this is where really bring home the the necessity to really hold on to the the gospel as we parent and bring that to the to our children because oftentimes our kids, like if we look at social media, our kids want hope. But oftentimes the hope is just in hope, like hope for what, you know, that things will get better or things will change. It's just this hope. But we as Christians have a hope that is so valuable to us, not just in this life, but in the life to come. And that hope is anchored in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so talk about how to cultivate that in our parenting. And then tip five uh, is attend to yourself, which maybe we'll talk a little bit more about today. And then tip six is know when to get help, which my guess is a lot of parents are going to want to have the answer to that question is when do I, when is this too, too, too much for us to handle? When do I need to get extra help? When do I need a counselor? When do we need to talk to somebody else? And that uh, tip is for covers that. So that's Mm. kind of the, the layout of it all. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Cause I, I mean, 
I, I have read, and I am I'm super encouraged just by the, the I love the stages because it is different in each stage of childhood yeah. development, and you even have um, for our listeners, Eliza has this uh, like a feeling wheel diagram in there to just talk about kind of the basic feelings and some of those offshoot feelings and. And I just think that's so helpful and important. I also think, and I know you you talk about this in the book, but I want to just dive into this a little bit further. Uh, a few weeks ago on our podcast, when we talked about how to use the Bible in a way that is wise, uh, which if you haven't listened to that one, we encourage you to go back. Uh, as you're caring for people, how how is the Bible to be utilized? One of the things we said in that episode was that you really can't take somebody where you haven't gone yourself. And I think the same is true in parenting, right? Like if we, how do we raise emotionally healthy kids if we are not emotionally healthy? Mm -hmm. And so I'd love for us to just dialogue about that a little bit. Obviously as counselors, we love the idea of emotional health Mm -hmm. and we talk about that all the time with our clients and and people in our church and and families. But um, let's let's just chat about that a little bit because I do think as parents, we get into this stage of it's not about me. I need to, I need to, pay attention to my kids. I need to move towards them and pay attention to what they're experiencing. But if we're not attuning to ourselves, if we're not paying attention to what we're experiencing, then it it is, it feels, or at least for me, it has felt a little bit like the blind leading the blind when it comes mm-hmm. to parenting. And so I wonder if you could just mm-hmm. talk about that for a few minutes. Just how are you well, thinking about that? One thing I do want to say, because that's so key, like sometimes the motivation for being concerned about our child's emotional health is actually because of our own emotional health. Like we've seen it in our own lives. Like maybe we've struggled or maybe there's, there's areas where we know like we're just not doing well and you know, it affects other people around us. And if we have children, it affects our children. If we've dealt with depression or if we've dealt with anxiety or other emotional struggles or even mental health struggles that are more um, long lasting, uh, there can be a concern like that can be what motivates people. Uh, parents to to be concerned about their child's mental health. And what I will say to that, just first and foremost, like if you are struggling, it doesn't make you a bad parent at all. And let me just say that the other way around too. If your children are struggling with their mental and emotional health, it doesn't mean you failed as a parent, you're a bad parent. It means we need to, like you said, you know, lean into this and see what, what do I need to maybe pay more attention to or as I mentioned in the book, there's various ways where you can get help. Um, But I just want to say that in the forefront, because Hmm. I know, I mean, we're both parents and there's definitely times where things can happen and you're just like, oh, did I fail in this area? And sometimes that can be there when you struggle with your own, you know, emotions and your own mental health, it can feel like I'm just not a good parent. And that is not true. The fact that you're listening to this podcast and you're curious about how to raise emotionally healthy kids shows that you're a good parent. You are doing the the good things of of leaning into resources and so forth. So just to clear mm-hmm. the air on that, just wanted to Yeah. Make sure. Yeah. And when we talk about the the idea of our own struggles and how that can affect our children, there there can be a lot of shame, I think, for yeah. parents related to oh gosh, I didn't get my own stuff figured out and now it's now it's affecting my children negatively. And and I and I think that I understand where that's coming from, but I think the frame of reference is maybe a little misguided. And and so, but I do think it is so important for us as parents to pay attention to our own emotional health and Mm -hmm. things like rest and, uh, you know, and and having the enjoyment of life and life-giving things poured into our own lives. 
uh, that's important. And I know, I mean, like I've got friends who have little bitty children and that's hard to do when they're little. It's, it's, it's even harder when they're little than as they get older. And so, yeah, yeah the, there's no shame. There's no condemnation. It's just, these are all opportunities for us to grow. But I did want to give a couple yeah. of just examples maybe of like sure. how this could affect us. And, and I'm thinking about particularly, let's say you're a dad who, um, was a particularly sensitive, emotionally sensitive child, and you uh, that affected you negatively in your peer group. Maybe they, maybe you learned through peer interactions that it's not safe to show emotion as a kid who's a boy, and um, and then so you shut that off and you said, mm-hmm. "I'm going to quit doing that." And then you became a parent and you tell your child, do not show, like, you need to shut off that emotion because you're going to get beat up or your, you know, your friends are going to make fun of you if you show emotion. And that's like an automatic. So that's a normal parenting thing that happens, right? For, for people. But this idea that, well, you know, maybe there are ways to, to tweak that. And as we grow as parents of like, Emotion can be good. Yeah, you you might not be able to show it everywhere. It may not be safe to show in every arena. Like school, for example, might not be the safest place to show emotion. But you got to have safe spaces where you can express emotion. I want to be that person for you yeah. as your dad or your mom. You know, yeah. like, uh, and then and then even just I know for me, like I uh, and maybe I'll share more about this later. But like I tend to have this idea of promptness, how important it is to be on time for things. And I get stressed out. And then sometimes I use angry words and actions with my children because they're not hurrying up enough. And it's like, I, I want to attune to them. I don't want them to learn that being on time is the most important thing in the whole wide world. And it's worth getting angry over or, you know, but mm-hmm. it's just something that I deal with and I've always dealt with it. And so I want to pay attention to that in my own soul. What, why do I feel so angry when people are late? Yeah. Why does that matter so much to me? And I want to just do that good work because then I'm more free to to be able to attend to my children and to move towards them in these moments where there is tension and stress. And so yeah, that's yeah. That's really important and and one of the things that I would say to to parents is that uh, we need to view our emotions as part of the human experience. That's just being human and but we can seek to assess them and respond to them in a God glorifying way. So it's part of just being human, but how we, how we view them, how we assess them, and then how we respond to those emotions can either be honoring to God or not honoring to God. And so we just want to recognize when are our, are our emotions hurting or helping the situation and what adjustments do I need to, to make rather than suppressing them and saying these aren't helpful or whatever. We want to be in touch with them and not bottle them up, which can result in those outbursts and maybe overcorrections or breakdowns and so forth. So how can we take our, our human experience of emotions and look at them carefully and say, I want to respond in a way that honors the Lord. Um, It's just a way that really parents are in touch with their emotions. And I think that is, as we think about raising emotionally healthy kids, we want to be parents who are in touch with our emotions. And um, I actually give, you know, if this feels like something that is I, I need more help on this or whatever. You know, if you're feeling like, yeah, this is something I need to learn more about. There's one part of the book where I basically give a wellness self-assessment for, it's basically an emotional wellness self-assessment where there's just, uh, I think there's like 10 traits there that you can kind of look through and say, okay, is this, am I indicating emotional health? And I will tell you, 
in anything, it's good to take regular pauses and say, let me just evaluate how I'm doing in this, you know? So just to share just a few of those with that, that are in the book um, that help you kind of assess that, because we're talking about one of them here of just like not suppressing emotions, but actually moving towards them in a healthy way. Another thing is just to understand, and you started to talk about this, Beth, it's a, a huge factor in being an emotionally healthy parent is viewing your limits appropriately. So this means, you know, you understand the value of asking for help. You know that that's a part of parenting. Uh, instead of fighting your limits, you kind of accept them and don't, and you don't accept them as flaws. You mm. accept them as being human. So, um, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, we've talked a little bit about emotions and um, how we need to not suppress them, but also actually respond to situations with the appropriate emotions. And this actually means we have to be uh, deliberate and thoughtful in what we are, how we're reacting to situations. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's so helpful. And, and I love, so I love to talk about attunement with people. That's a word that I really like to use. I think of it in, in musical terms, honestly, it's like being, you know, if there's multiple instruments playing at the same time, if they're not tuned up to one another, you're not going to be able to make music that's beautiful. And we as families, like we, we, I hope we're making beautiful music, gospel music for the world to see. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that we be able to attune to one another. And that's, you know, every, every member of our family, but as parents, we're helping our kids to learn what that is. Like, how do you tune up to one another? So and like, maybe important. explain that a little bit, because that, that may be a new word to some of our listeners. So when you say attunement, what, what did, can you kind of explain what you yes. mean by that? <clears throat> so when I talk about attunement, what I'm talking about is, is being fully present in the moment, which is hard to do as parents. Let's just pause and say that. It's hard to just be present in the moment because sometimes there's this tug between past and future. Like, I don't want to do it the way we did it before. I'm looking into the future of how I want to do it later. And it's hard to be in the moment with our kids. And so it, it means slowing down mentally and emotionally to be able to just say, okay, where am I and where are you? Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea idea of face-to-face contact, right? Like to be able to get on. And so, for example, if you have a child who's five years old, attunement might look like getting down on your knees or down on the floor with them. And face-to-face eye contact, touch is important for attunement. Uh, And things like that where we're actually saying, I'm with you right now. Mm -hmm. I'm here right now. I'm not in a hurry to move you to what's next. And as parents, again, that's hard because we, we have in our brains, we're supposed to be teaching them stuff, right? We're supposed to be telling them how to do life. But these moments of attunement then allow for moments of wisdom to come Mm -hmm. where if our, if my kid knows that I am with him and that I'm his advocate and that I am seeking to know what's happening in his heart and mind and body in this moment. And I care about that. He's so much more likely to hear my words of hopefully wisdom coming in a little while, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I want to have this slow down moment of attunement with my kiddo. And I mean, attunement can look a lot of different ways, but I'm just giving the example of this face-to-face interaction that is, is slow and I'm seeking to understand. My favorite question which I stole from Diane Langberg, is what's it like to be you mm-hmm. in this moment? What is it like for you right now? I want to know that. And and I, I care to know that. And not because I have an agenda for your life necessarily, although I might as a parent have things I want to <laughs> teach you. I just want to be with you in this moment. And that that's what I mean when I say attunement. 
Yeah, that's so good. And I think that helps us to not um, frustrate the situation because we're not so worried about making this a moment of, like you said, that like correction or direction. And there are lots of those in parenting. We are definitely not here to say that they're that is how we parented. And we would encourage you to, that is our role as a parent is to correct and to direct and to guide them towards truth. And, but you know, for yourself, like when somebody really is connecting with you, when somebody really kind of gets you and, and you feel like you have their ear, uh, you're a lot more receptive to them bringing that correct correction and wisdom and direction and so forth. And the other thing that is, is hard too, in the moment is, it's so easy to respond like your child. And I say that as, you know, like (laughs) it's when a child is upset and emotionally dysregulated or, you know, acting out or whatnot, it can feel like the only response is to kind of amp it up yourself. Like they're out of control. So, or they're yelling or they're whatever. So I have to get a little bit louder or they're, they're being irrational. And so I have to, you know, come harder at it. And instead, you know, just bringing it down a notch and being able to say, okay, what does it look like to actually try to de-escalate the situation um, right. in that moment? Yeah. And I will also say that I, I think attunement is something that if you only try to do it when you're in tense moments, it's not going to work. So that's where, you know, being able to practice it in moments that are light and fun and joy-filled, that is when you're going to get your good practice under the belt so that when you're in the game, the real thing, right, you'll you'll know what to do. And so will your child. And so that's where, you know, I, I constantly am advocating for something that was the wisdom that was given to me when my children were in middle school of just start taking them on coffee dates. No agenda. I just want to know you. I want to know you. I want to tune to you. I want to meet you where you are. And there's no, there's no agenda and I'm not trying to correct anything. So if I can do it in those moments and we get good practice at it, right. And then we're able to, to have these moments that are similar to that when there is conflict or, or struggle or difficulty. And it's not easy. It's not going to be easy, No, but we want to try to take the time to do that. And I would just encourage parents as we begin to wrap up here, because I mean, this, this is a big section in the book. So you certainly can Uh, take a look at it, but there are just other ways that we can try to be more emotionally healthy ourselves, And all of that's going to help our children. And just to kind of, you know, even just what Beth was saying about, you know, maybe not in the heat of the moment, one characteristic of an emotionally healthy parent is to be flexible and to know when to kind of flex when things need to be, you know, when you need to alter course in your parenting, maybe it's just for that moment, or maybe it's actually, you've, you've realized like this, we've gone a course Uh, with our children and we need to make some changes. And so being flexible is really important, but ultimately, you know, we want to, we want to really lean into Christ and uh, rely on him. We are not looking for um, a sense of, of approval or worth or value based on our parenting. We have an approval that is in Christ and we need to rest in who he says, he, who says, who he says we are and let the opinions of others be filtered through that, especially as you raise your children, because that can actually take us down a path of, of unhealth in our Mm. emotions when we begin to like compare our parenting to others. Um, And so I just want to encourage you. There's other ways that you can um, assess your own emotional health. And what I would say is 
revisit it often. I have looked at that list that I've written many times myself because it's just good to kind of go through these 10 traits of emotionally healthy parents and just kind of see how am I doing in each one of those um, just as a kind of a marker of how things are going. So, because it does, it does matter. Our emotional health is a big factor in raising emotionally healthy kids. So I hope you guys are helped by that. And I hope the book is, is helpful for, for, um, for all of the listeners, for those of you who check it out. Um, and I appreciate you letting me chat about it today, Beth. Yeah, it's wonderful. Thank you so So. much for sharing about it. And yes, we, we encourage you to, to go check out that book. Uh, 10 of those is the publisher and, we're excited. We'll share that in our show notes as well. Oh, so. but hold on. But wait a minute. We're we're at the end of this podcast now, and and we usually close with a moment of humanity. Ah, yes. <laughs> and we haven't done that. So okay. I mean, I've done a lot of talking. And so Beth, how about you? Share, do you have anything parent related? Something that we can share with our listeners that's somewhat related to parenting? Anything you can? Yeah. Share? Well, there. I mean, there's there's plenty I could share, not publicly, <laughs> probably. I would, I would, you know, be embarrassing either myself or my children by doing that. Uh, but I, yeah, there's there's actually a funny story that I, I do have approval from my 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 youngest child to talk about publicly. Uh, and I don't know if this has happened for any of you that are parents or maybe you remember this when you were a kid, but in, when he was in kindergarten, so this is my youngest, his name's Elijah. When he was in kindergarten, they did this thing of uh, like, it was like a parent day. And so they don't mm-hmm. really write yet. So their teacher just interviewed each of them individually and asked them some questions and wrote down the kids' answers to those questions about their parents, which I feel like is potentially a very dangerous thing to do. I mean, no telling what these kids are going to say about their parents, right? And then, you know, you come for like donuts with them in the morning and they share this these answers to this question. It's supposed to be really sweet. And so, uh, you know, it asks a lot of different questions on this little form that the teacher had. And one of the questions was, what is the thing that your parent says most often to you? Oh, no. Oh, no. This is just setting us up for failure. So, I mean, you know, you would hope your child would be, oh, I love you, or yes. oh, I'm so proud of you, or, you know, like, Jesus loves you, you know, stuff like that. Um, well, our our sweet Elijah, the answer that he chose for what we most often say to him is, put your shoes in the laundry room. <laughs> So there, there you go. There's my control issue of like, listen, we are almost late all the time and I have issues with being late. And if your shoes are not in the laundry room where they belong, we're going to have to look for them and it's going to take us 10 minutes every single day. We're not doing that. So it, it actually was a very practical thing, but I, uh, the fact that he thought that was the thing that I most often say to him, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should evaluate <laughs> what, is, what is being said to my child all the time. But that was the thing he remembered. And I'm glad he remembered that he needs to always keep his shoes. He's 11. He still keeps his shoes in the laundry room. He's all good right. at it. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, Beth, I think there probably could be even more embarrassing things that our kids could say that they remember us saying. So I'm going to say that's not too bad, but I appreciate you sharing it with us. So and <laughs> it was a are... pretty benign story. I'm, I, I <laughs> could definitely do, do bigger. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. Well, hey, everyone, thanks so much again for joining us. And we hope that you will share this podcast. We always say that because we always need you to do that so that the word gets out and people find us. And um, we hope that you will join us again for another episode of Council for Life. Thanks for listening to Council for Life with Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please be sure to rate, share, and subscribe. And for more information, visit counselforlifepodcast.com.